So I was going to preach from uh, the Old Testament today, I thought, but I actually got the, the I wasn't in the, in the Lord's, in the Spirit when I was preparing, because I should have chosen uh, David and Goliath after what happened yesterday, because uh, it was really a David and Goliath story. It's also the Old Testament, yeah. <laughs> so, as a home group and as a Bible, Trish Bird's Bible study group, uh, you're going to have to forgive me because in the last few weeks, we've been looking in the book of Judges, we've been looking at uh, Gideon, and uh, we've been uh, working through some material, mostly by a guy by Eric Johnson and from Bethel, but I've also borrowed a book from Andrew McLean, uh, on the, on the book of Judges by Tim Keller. And so I want to go there this morning. I want to go and just have a look and open up this, this, uh, this judge. I don't know, when you think of the word judge, uh, I kind of, if I had to go in front of the judge, there would be a little bit of within my psyche of fear and trepidation because judges tend to be uh, like kind of stern and I know they do lots of good work and they hand out justice, and, but, but there's a sense of which it's almost like going to the, the principal's office. You're in trouble for some reason and you're going to get a, a, a caning or, or some punishment. Judges uh, is kind of a little bit misleading because it could have also been used, it could have used the word deliverer, the book of deliverers. And so... I want to have a look at just as a bit of a backdrop to a little bit of a history lesson. And I know here yeah, we're all well taught and we know the stories, but there might be a few of us who just not, don't know the story. But it's a story of, of the Old Testament is just a wonderful story of, of God's intervention. And uh, going back a little while, the Israelites are in captivity in Egypt and they cry out, cry out, and, and the Lord sends a deliverer, sends Moses to come and, and, and lead them out and take them to the promised land. And uh, he's a bit like uh, Gideon in some respects. He, he kind of balks at that and thinks, oh, I, I don't talk very well. You know, who am I? Who am I? How are they going to respond? How is Pharaoh going to respond when I come and say, you know, set my people free? But... He goes, because the Lord is with them. And amazing stuff happens at the, when they encounter with Pharaoh. There's all the plagues. And uh, eventually Pharaoh, after many plagues, says, okay, you're free to go. And off they go. And then, of course, we know the story. He changes his mind and he sends his armies after them. And they're coming after the Israelites. And the Israelites come to the Red Sea. And there's no way through. And God parts the water and the Israelites go through to the other side and they are, they are saved. And then the, the, the waters close and the Egyptian army is drowned. And then it's a short trip. It's a very short trip from uh, the other side of the Red Sea to the promised land. And they send some spies out and there's 12 of them. They go and have a look at uh, the land and the land is magnificent. It's 
wonderful produce. It's a land of, of beautiful stuff. The grapes are big. It's just the produce is wonderful. There's, uh, it's just too amazing. But there are also some giants in the land. And ten of, I think it's 10 of the spies uh, came with a negative report and said, no, it's too difficult for us. There's too many giants. There's too many problems in the land. It was only Caleb and Joshua who had faith and said, yes, there are giants, but with, with God we will, we, will, we will conquer. And so because of their unbelief and their disobedience and their grumbling and, and complaining, the Israelites wandered around the desert for 40 years. Eventually they get into the promised land. And uh, there's battles to be fought in the promised land. I want to suggest to you today that you and I are in the promised land. We have had a deliverer who has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We have, have had this great exchange taking place, which we... Which we did in the, in, in the scriptures where we took on his righteousness and we gave him our sin and iniquity. So we're in the promised land. We are more than conquerors. We are his children. The scripture says we are new creations. The old has died. We are new creations and we need to be living in that. And we look back to what Jonathan preached a few weeks, weeks ago and then Joshua f- followed up with authentic Christianity. The challenge for you and I today, are we going to believe what the scripture says, uh, says, says to us? Because the scripture is, the promises and, uh, are, are fantastic for us. It's just so wonderful. That's who, we're in the promised land. And Anybody fighting a few battles? Put your hands up if you're fighting a battle. Yeah, I see all those hands. Again, I'm very good at altar course. I see that hand. We're fighting some battles. Too many. But, uh, so I want to turn now to uh, Judges chapter 6. And I want to turn to the story of Gideon, because there's some battles to fight, and we need to just get a hold of some of the some of the, the wonderful stuff here today. So, just a little bit of backdrop. They had experienced forty years of peace; things were going well. If we have a look at the Old Testament, if we have a look at. Uh, The book of Judges in particular, there's a cycle. There's the cycle of good and evil. There's the cycle where, and most of the chapters in each story start off as it does in chapter, in, in chapter 6 verse 1. It says, and the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So there's this the, the doing evil. They're worshiping foreign gods. They're worshiping foreign idols. And uh, they're in apostasy. And then God allows them to 
be oppressed by the neighboring nations, to be overrun by the neighboring nations. Slow down, slow down. And so they were in servitude. And in servitude, in the pain and the, the difficult circumstances, what did they do? They cried out to the Lord. And so they, there was supplication. They cried out to the Lord. And the Lord always hear, heard, hears their, prayer, their prayers. And he sends in judges, judge, judges to deliver them. And so salvation comes. And this is the cycle that uh, the book of Judges is all about. And so let's look at Gideon. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them over into the hands of the Midianites. Because, of the, because the power of the Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. So let's just have a look at the, this, this, this scenario where they find themselves, where the Israelites find themselves. They are, they have, they have, they're mixing their religion. They've become uh, uh, worshipping, they're worshipping Baal and they're worshipping God. So they, there's a mixture of religions. They have forgotten the Lord and they're in, in, uh, almost in cap- captivity. They're hiding in the mountains. This is the people of God. This is the people who were meant to inhabit the promised land and enjoy the fruits of the promised land. And so they were having their crops destroyed. I'm not too worried about things like, uh, uh, I'm not into vegetables too much. I may, I'll make a very bad vegetarian, but you know, the, all the crops were destroyed. I can, I can live with that, but they also took their cattle and their sheep away into captivity. They took them. So I love a good steak and a, and a lamb chop is really probably for me, uh, uh, the best food on, 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 on the planet. And so this is, this thing had been going on for seven years. Whenever they were preparing any, any meals, whenever the crops were getting uh, higher, they would, the, the opposition would come and take them, and their own cattle would feed on it, and, and so they were impoverished. They were in starvation. This was a bad time of life for the Israelites. And it takes seven years. It takes seven years before they cry out to the Lord. Seven years. Don't wait until you're at the end of your rope before you cry out to the Lord. And so what happens is, it's a lovely story. 
then the Israelites cried out to the Lord, verse 7, because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. So what is the first thing that the Lord does when, when, when they cry out? He sends a prophet. The prophet is not named. It's not a famous name. It's not Elisha or Elijah or, or like it's just a no-name brand prophet. I know when I'm going through crises in, life, in my life and, and you think, well, I'd love a, a word from the prophet. From, and, and not just from any ordinary one. I want, uh, I don't know, who, who, whoever you know is prophetic in the world. I want, I want him. I want uh, Chris Fallerton to come and prophesy over me. He, 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 so, you know, I kind of position myself to, the, to somebody who has a prophetic gifting. I say, have, have you heard what the Lord is saying? And so he, 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 the first thing the Lord does is just send this prophet. And what does the prophet do? The prophet doesn't look to the future because when I'm in trouble, I want to see the future. I want to see that everything is going to be okay. I want to see that the issues that I'm facing now, the, the, the crisis at the, at the factory, the crisis at the, at the office, the crisis in the classroom, the crisis with, with my life, The Lord will say, this is what's going to happen. But he doesn't. He reminds them of what happened before. He reminds them that God is a deliverer. He reminds them that when they were in Egypt, he rescued them. He reminded them that he drove all their enemies out. And some amazing miracles. I mean, how, we, we forget so quickly. We forget what God has done in our lives. We should probably write down the stories of when God and have a keep a journal, a separate journal of what God has done in our lives and how he's intervened. Because every now and again, when it, gets to, when it gets tough and it does get tough, we can look back to, hey, God, this is what you did. And the, the, so he, he was very positive and he, and, he, and he looked at some good stuff and he told them who he was and he was with them. But he gave them a word of correction. And he said, I told you that I am your God and that you must not worship the gods of the Amorites, but you did not listen. And so the reason they're in the predicament they are is that they didn't listen to God. They didn't walk with God. They didn't, uh, they went after foreign gods. We want to walk with Jesus. We want to walk with him day by day. Don't forget him. And so this wonderful story onto the scene comes Gideon. Verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah, 
that belonged to Joash the Aberazite, where his son Gideon was threshing the wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So we have Gideon in the winepress, hiding from the enemies. You don't, winepresses, you press grapes. You don't make bread. You don't uh, thresh, thresh wheat. You, so he's hiding. He's scared. He's a fearful, he's a fearful dude. He doesn't, want to get, he doesn't want to get caught. He doesn't want the enemy to come and take away what he makes. And so he's hiding in the winepress. And then this angel of the Lord comes and he says, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. In the, I'm not sure, in the New Living Translation, in the, in the, in the uh, NIV it says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And that must have been a complete surprise to, to Gideon. Because he would have actually looked around to see if he was talking to somebody else. He would have been fairly surprised that somebody had come into the, into the wine press while he was uh, threshing the wheat. But he would have looked around. And uh, the, the, the angel of the Lord is very kind and, and, and just reassures him, saying, the Lord is with you. You and I need to know today that the Lord is with you. I don't know what you're facing. But the Lord of the Word, is, the Word of the Lord, the Lord of the Word, both, both right, <laughs> is that uh, He is with you. He is with you. And the Gideon's response to this is he's kind of, he's not actually sure about this. I don't know where he was when the prophet came to town and, and preached the Word, because the prophet made it quite clear. Maybe he was out uh, hiding, hiding somewhere and he didn't hear the, the, the Word of the prophet. But he, he said, uh, God clearly isn't with us. He has put us into the Midianites' hands. And instead of rescuing us like the old, like he did our ancestors, we're, we're, we're stuck and we're in a, in a place, in a really difficult place. Gideon's response is his implicit response to this. And he suggests that we, what we need, what we're really needing is we needing another savior. We needing another deliverer. Somebody to come in and set us free like Moses. We need another Moses. That's what we need for today. God's response is, is quite startling because he says, you are the salvation that I'm sending. You are the mighty warrior. You are the Moses for this generation's people. You and I are. For this generation's people who are lost, they need us to rise up and listen to the call of the Lord and make a difference. Why? Why can we do it? Because He, because he calls us. Because He is with us. And we often make the same mistake that Gideon made. Often when we see the situation and it's too big for us, the battle is too big. Or where we are is just too devastating. We tend to see that our troubles 
are an evidence that God has left, has left us. Instead of asking God how God is working in and through them for our good, as He's promised in, in Romans 8, 28. He's promised that all, there will be trouble. Uh, in, in Acts it says you, the, 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 uh, there's much trial, there are many trials and tribulations in the kingdom of God. There are many trials, there's many battles that, that you and I have to fight. And we have to take heart from today that God is always, is always with us. Instead of asking God to send somebody, instead of asking God and wondering why he hasn't sent anybody to be helped, why don't we ask the question and ask God to make the, us the person who can handle the problem. Make us, the, we, we, we've got the situation, there's a situation in school. And it's a big problem. Let's, the teachers here, you're full of the Spirit, you're full of God, you're full of Jesus, you go and make the difference. You, you speak the word of the Lord into the situation. And so, Gideon's kind of kicking for touch. Trying to put it on somebody else. He looks at himself. The second argument that he puts up is that he looks at his own life and he, and he perceives himself as being insignificant, the least of the least. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in, in, in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. Oh, woe is me. I'm just a worm. Uh, I am nothing. I can't, you know. That's, that's, that's his perception of, of himself. Scholars have actually said that in actual fact, it's not true that, he, was, that he, was, he came from a noble family. But that was his perception. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter if you perceive yourself as being a, a, the least and, and uh, a worm and nothing good's ever going to come out of me. Well, that's going to happen. And that's how he perceives himself. So now God is choosing a deliverer. Why does he choose somebody like this? Somebody who doesn't want to even play in the game. I must say, if I'd been picked for the Springbok team, if they'd realized how bad they were and they said they picked me, I wouldn't want to be picked. I want, you know, I'm sure you've been in those days, in school days, when they're picking people. For a team, and always the, they are, they never, <laughs> when it came to rugby, they never picked me. And uh, God picked somebody who was sitting on the way back, just reading his, reading his book. God sometimes used the nerds. Why? Because he wants it to be him. And if uh, we're not going to go on for, running out of time already, sorry, maybe next time. We can have a look at some of, some of that, that stuff. But uh, let's turn to verse 14. Maybe go back to verse 13, sorry. But Sir Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has this all happened? Da, 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 da. 
But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us in the hands of the, of the Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in, in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? The Lord is amazing. He sees that he sees through all uh, Gideon's uh, kicking for touch. I'm the least. And he, and, he, and he sees that he has some strength. And he says, go in the strength that you have. Sometimes I think we, we, we feel that we don't have any, str- any strength. And we actually need to go in the strength that God has given us. We do. We have, we have uh, talents and gifts and and uh, we, the, we, are, we are wonderful. All of you, you are wonderful people here. This is a wonderful gathering of people with great potential. God has called you teachers and lawyers and, and doctors, and, 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 and you, we must use the giftings that God has given us. And, and the call is, 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 is to, to, to the battle. The call is to the battle. When God declares that he is with you and that you are a mighty warrior, then you are. Then you are. You and I are that. We need to believe the stuff, the challenges. The only work we've got to do is believe it. Because if I believe it, then I will start believing it. I'll start walking it out. I will start being the person that God says I am. He is to use his own, own, own abilities. But Gideon's potential, realized or not, is not alone sufficient. It's, we go with God. We need the combined knowledge that, that God is sending us and that he will be with us, that we have the call of God. God is correct in suggesting that he cannot save Israel in his own strength. God is correct to tell him that he will save Israel using Gideon's strength combined with his knowing that God has called him to this task and is with him in it. God has called you and I to a task. And I, I won't go to all the, the details, but I want to go to one other scripture, and that is verse 34. Chapter 6, verse 34, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Eberites to follow him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He has this, this guy who's scared. And, uh, but the Spirit of the Lord comes. So the, the, the Lord will take our weakness and make them strengths. When the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. And we just realize this is Old Testament. The Spirit of the Lord came upon uh, Gideon. It came upon many people in in the Old Testament. But we have a far better deal. We have the new covenant. The, the, not only are we saying it, I think, somewhere along the line, we sang it that, that Christ comes and lives in us. Hey, let's get excited by that. Let's change, let's change the world. We can be world changers because we have Jesus in us. None of this, oh, I can't do it. 
Yes, I can't do it in my own flesh, but God has equipped me. God has given me everything I need to live a life of, of godliness. God has given you, you are, you are bright lights. You are salts of the earth. When you go to the office tomorrow, when you go, wherever you go, to the classroom, to the shops, you are, you are bringing the light of Jesus into that situation. You are bringing hope to those people. And it's because Jesus lives in us. I just want to close with one scripture. And uh, John chapter 17, verse 26. I made known to them your name, and I will continue make, make it known that the love which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. That the love which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Isn't that the promise? Isn't that the promise of God? The promise of God is that the love of God is in you. Those difficult people that you're battling with, you can love them. You can love them. And he promises I in them, that he's in us. That's our hope. That's the excitement that we have in, in the world in which we live in, which has lost its way. Which is in meltdown. It needs you and I to be full of Jesus, to be full of the Spirit. To be lost in him, lost in his love. To be understanding the depth and the height and the breadth of his love as we've experienced this morning at the table. And that love then compelling us out and pushing us out into the darkness to make a difference. We can't be stuck here on a Sunday morning. We need to be out there. In our, we don't need to be just in our little Bible studies and our lovely little revival groups. We need to be being the, the life to Jesus. The life to the world. Sorry, never trust a preacher. He always says one last scripture. But here's the last, last scripture. And this is what Jesus said at the end. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, th go therefore and make disciples of nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He's with us. He's in us till the end of the age.